On a clear morning following a raging thunderstorm in November of 1980, the family of a 32-year-old British Columbian man named Granger Taylor woke up to find him missing, and in his place was this bizarre note. Dear Mother and Father, I have gone away to walk aboard an alien spaceship. As recurring dreams have assured me a 42-month interstellar voyage to explore the vast universe, then return. I am leaving behind all my possessions to you, as I will no longer require the use of any. Please use the instructions in my will as a guide to help. Love, Granger. Neither he nor his remains were ever seen again. Some people think he actually did willingly go off with aliens onto a spaceship. Others think he walked away to start a new life, albeit here on Earth. Still, others think that his life ended then and there on a B.C. mountainside. Whatever actually happened to Granger Taylor over 40 years ago is still unknown and is most certainly some weird. Welcome to Season 3 of the Some Weird Podcast. I am your co-host, Chrissy. And I am your co-host, Barry. As Chrissy said, this is Season 3 of the Some Weird Podcast. Season 1 was all about folklore and weird stories from our home province of Newfoundland and Labrador. In Season 2, we virtually traveled across Canada to see the weird stuff on the go in other provinces and territories. In this season, we are venturing even further to cover 10 of the weirdest stories we found without borders. Yep, like a less philanthropic Doctors Without Borders. <laughs> in this season, we are going to knit together each episode with some common thread. So this is the first episode of this season. So this gets to be the continuation of season two, which was the Great Weird North. How does the mysterious case of Granger Taylor link to season two? It's actually pretty simple. It's a story that I learned about after we recorded our British Columbia episode, but I found it to be a really weird, true story out of Canada. And there was way too much for us to put it into one of our wee weird episodes. So I think it's the perfect way to start our new season. Yeah, it was all kind of geographic based uh, before. Like I said, we, the first thing was Newfoundland. That's how we started it. Then we kind of did one in Canada. But here is this more so independent stories. Some are Canada, some are other countries. And a lot of interesting stuff that I'm looking forward to getting into. Yep, we're going to use this Canadian story as our jumping off point. So let's get into the story of Granger Taylor. Yeah. So Granger Taylor, he was a very interesting individual. He was the oldest of a family of eight his parents both got together after previous marriages. His father actually died when he was very young. I think he was two. His uh, mother ended up remarrying, and there ended up being eight kids in their whole family. He was the oldest of them. They lived on a 21-acre farm in the town of Duncan, B.C. Uh, Duncan, B.C. is on Vancouver Island. It's your typical Canadian small town where everybody knows everyone. Population of between four and 5,000. And B.C., what, what's the first thing you think of when you think of British Columbia in terms of industry? Me, personally, it's got to be Sasquatch, but for industry, it's forestry? It's it. It's the, it's the beachcombers. <laughs> I forgot about your mild obsession with the beachcombers. So, yeah, it was a logging town. One of the more interesting things about this town, it was considered one of Canada's UFO hotspots in the 1970s. I feel like a lot of places in Canada are UFO hotspots. Yeah, Canada seems to have a high uh, ratio of uh, UFO sightings. Why that is, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we have clear skies and you could see it better. Yeah, there's no smog. That's right. Unless you're in Toronto. I'm sure there's lots of smog in Toronto. But the clear size of, of Duncan, B.C. was good for uh, UFO spotting. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the 70s, it was considered one of Canada's hotspots. 
Our good friend Granger, he was described as a shy guy who was a little socially awkward, but he was also considered like a mechanical genius. You know, we find that's kind of a common theme with these eccentric geniuses that they're socially awkward. Yes, it's my belief that if you are one of these people who are like exceedingly intelligent or exceedingly gifted in a particular area, Mm -hmm. you almost lose the social skills of like, yeah. quote unquote, normalcy. Yeah, I consider myself a little socially awkward, but I'm not overly intelligent either. So I'm not sure what happened That's, to me. You're like Milhouse Van Houten. That's right. <laughs> I'm not a nerd. I'm not smart. So uh, a lot of the information I got in my uh, research is based on a documentary called Spaceman, uh, which you can find pretty easy on YouTube. It's a CBC uh, documentary, so I highly suggest you check it out after you listen to our podcast. And in that documentary, he actually specifically discussed a, a personal column that he put in the paper. Again, he was very shy, especially towards uh, members of the opposite sex, and he had like a, a very awkward uh, personal ad. Remember personal ads? I never engaged in such a thing, but yeah, that Lonely Hearts Club kind of a thing. That's where all the murderers would find all their victims back in the day, before Craigslist. <laughs> yeah. There's a university uh, paper that my sister and I, the university we went to, uh, called The Muse. And they used to have really fucked up personal ads. You ever see those? Remember those? No, I did. Oh, now I got to look that up on the Mun Folklore and Language Archives. Really weird shit. And I, I do believe there was one about me one time. What? Why? Because it said, uh, like, it was always really weird stuff in this. And the specific ad, I happened to be looking at the news one day, and it said, Hey, Barry in Business 1201, your chicken is finger-licking good. Uh, maybe we should go to KFC sometime. And I was, I was in that class at the time. I had a pencil, and the pencil was a Kentucky Fried Chicken pencil. Why had that? So, so whether that was me or not, or I was inferring it, or I was just... It got to be you, because Barry, it's not like a weird name, but it's not a super common name, right? Yeah. Um, and business and the, the chicken pencil. Did our parents not have money? Why were we using a chicken pencil? <laughs> I think it was like uh, it was like one of these welcome packages I got for like, you know when you first go to campus, they give you these welcome oh, packages. Oh yes, for whatever right. reason, there was a KFC pencil. I just like when you chicken. do a five k and you get the loot and it's all yeah, like right. banks on there. And, yeah. Gotta, so anyway, I did not pursue this personal ad. So but anyway. That's hilarious. I, I'm gonna have to find that. If I find that, I'm gonna post it on our the Twitter oh, uh, account. Absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, back to the story. Granger was also said to be very intelligent, especially mechanical objects, like I just said. He had a knack for fixing things or building things or mechanical things. He just knew how they worked, and I guess he just had this sixth sense when it came to it. He became fascinated with this stuff at a very young age. Despite being very intelligent, uh, school wasn't for him. He actually dropped out in eighth grade. So how would your parents allow you to drop out in eighth grade? It was the 70s and just whatevs. Probably in the 60s even. Uh, yes, probably. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. I'm clearly not like Granger being very intelligent because yeah, I can't do simple math. But yeah, probably in the 60s. And I, I think it was just different back then. Like, I think if your kid right now was 16 and didn't go to school, you would get in, in trouble. Like you personally, yeah, the parent. Jail, yeah. yeah, right. But back then it's like, yeah, it's, school's not for my 13 year old. So he could just drop out. No, no problem. Yep. So he, so he ends up dropping out and he starts working at different fix-it shops and yeah. starts doing this kind of mechanical work full-time. At age 14, he found a frame of one of the old-style cars from like the 20s. You know those cars that have like mm. no windows or anything like that? You yeah, Mr. Burns in. drives them. It's like Mr. Burns' car. Yep. He found it in the woods somewhere. Like, how do you find one of these things in the woods? I have no idea. But he did, and he got the thing running. I think he found a lot of weird shit in the woods and got running, right? Yeah, I was thinking like Duncan must be like this giant scrapyard or something. This car is now on display at the Duncan BC Forest uh, Discovery Center, so it's still around to this day. You can go see it if you ever went to that location. Now, when you were 14, what were you at in the woods? Not finding cars. I was finding porn in the woods. <laughs> 
you were inadvertently looking for porn. Granger was out looking for junk cars to build. Yeah. Uh, three years later, he found an abandoned bulldozer. Professional uh, heavy-duty mechanics deemed unsalvageable. Mm-hmm. He rebuilt that into working condition. In his early 20s, he found an old locomotive in the forest. Like, like <laughs> What's up in the woods, man? Yeah, no, it's just like a giant scrapyard. Yeah. And they're saying there's like all alder trees growing through the through the uh, engine and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But he fully restored it. He said it took him two years. And he actually laid tracks down in his parents' farm. Kids would come out and he'd like take the kids out for rides in his locomotive that he rebuilt that he found in the woods. I wonder if today he was around, if he would have been diagnosed with like ADHD. If a professional um, heavy-duty mechanic is like, this is not even worth it. And he's like, I'm going to take two years of my life and make it a train. I mean, he must have been hyper-focused on it, right? He must have been. And like they even say like uh, in his documentaries, he always had to have a project. And if he didn't have mm-hmm. a project, he wasn't like on, on track. He wasn't happy. Yeah. So he always had to be working on something. So I guess he really took ones that were real challenges. Or mm-hmm. I guess you can only you can only work on what you find in the woods. <laughs> Yep. Luckily, there's bulldozers and cars and, and everything else. Luckily, there was no environmental loss at the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't do the oil samples there, all the old cars leaking oil all into the woods. <laughs> but yeah, you know, his fix-it shop or his little work center became a bit of a local attraction. All the kids would come and he kind of got the kids and kind of put them to work and helped them on some of his projects, right? Pretty cool. One thing that we mentioned earlier and, and you mentioned in your, in your intro was that Duncan was one of the best places in the world to see UFOs for whatever reason. The first major sighting was in 1969, New Year's Eve. Four nurses in a hospital saw a flying saucer hovering outside the window. Two humanoid pilots were in it and they kind of just zipped away. Uh, this started UFO fever in the town and Granger got caught up. Oh, okay. So due to this uh, aviation interest that he got, started with UFOs, he actually went and got his pilot license. And in the woods, too. You guys licensed in the woods? No, you guys licensed in the woods. I guess he got that via conventional means. Okay. Cracker Jack box. And uh, he did find a six to seven foot piece of fuselage in the woods, which, I don't know, it was crashed down. It was a World War II Kitty Hawk fighter. Now, how a World War II Kitty Hawk fighter found his way into the woods of Duncan, British Columbia, I don't know. But he found it, fully restored it, eventually sold it, or I think it was sold after his disappearance. But it went for like $20,000 to a collector in North Carolina, I believe. Oh, that's a lot of money back then. Yeah, I'm not sure if it actually flew, but it certainly looked museum quality anyway. Okay, cool. So after building a car, a bulldozer, a train, a plane, he moved on to the next logical vehicle, and that would be a UFO. Okay. Hey, what else is left? That's right. He didn't go into the nautical side. He didn't build a boat, at least not that I'm aware of. So, like I said earlier, uh, his workshop became a local attraction, and uh, you know the kids in the neighborhood would come and help him with his projects. One of these kids became very good friends with Granger. This guy, he was like 17 years younger than him, but he considered Granger a father figure. Uh, his name was Robert Teller. Robert actually credits Granger keeping him on straight and narrow. His parents divorced when he was very young, and he said he probably would have went to jail if Granger didn't kind of take an interest in him. He also said they had a mutual hobby. What do you think that hobby was? Building stuff? Smoking weed. Oh, <laughs> another thing BC is famous for. Yes, exactly. So if you get 17 years difference and he's like 12, 13 years old, you'd be a 30-year-old man or 25, 27-year-old man smoking weed with a kid. You know what? Yes, I'm thinking about that now. Like today, when you're telling this story right now, it's like, ah, it's that's an interesting story. But if this was happening today, there would be questions. Yes, for sure. This is kind of like a, a back to the future type thing. You got yes! the old man and the kid. It is. 
is. <laughs> maybe this is the, the basis for Back to the Future. Starring famous Canadian Michael J. Fox. Maybe he yeah, heard exactly. the story and uh, pitched it. Yeah, Granger was a uh, doc. Yeah. He's either 40 or 80. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, Teller ended up dropping out of school as well, and Granger kind of made him work with him on mm-hmm. his projects. He said, you can't just sit around sleeping all day. You're going to come work on my project. And that included this UFO. The UFO that they uh, they built, it was out of parts from the dump. The forest was empty, or UFOs, so they couldn't do that. So, uh, The main part of it was two radio dishes from a radio tower. So, you know, when you see one of those towers, you got those big old circular yeah. discs on them. Yeah, so they built about that, right? And Teller explains this was never meant to fly, but it was just meant to look like what a, a spaceship would look like. Okay. But during this time, UFO sightings were very prevalent in the area. And he became obsessed with UFOs and how it would work, how would they fly, and believe that they were real. And he actually tried to build a radio that he could use to talk to UFOs. Don't know if that ever worked, but he did say that aliens could speak to him telepathically. And the aliens told him that magnetism was the key to saucer flight. I have no comments. I'm, I'm going with it right now. You're okay? going with it, yeah. They would always be hanging out in this like homemade spaceship that they built. And he had like a TV in there. He had a wood stove and all that. And him and... You know, him and uh, Robert being there smoking weed, and he'd be talking about how he's going to make contact with aliens. Oh, he's like Dubai's wood yeah, stove. Yeah. <laughs> That's the equivalent of the shed in Newfoundland. In October of 1980, Granger told Keller another friend that the aliens had invited him to go on a journey through the Milky Way. Robert Keller wanted to go with him. Granger said he asked, but the aliens were like, no, no, only you can come. You can't bring any of your friends. But he was very happy that the aliens wanted him. Again, he was a very socially awkward person, you know, hanging around with kids, smoking weed with kids. Yeah. But uh, he was very happy that the aliens wanted him. Okay. So he's obviously a very interesting person, if nothing yeah. else, right? He's very bright with what he's doing. A little bit weird with the hanging out with the kids bit, but also yeah. uh, maybe that's who he connected to. Maybe... Uh, it was easy for him to talk to them, and maybe he liked the attention he was getting, you know, with because the, they thought his train was cool and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So as you said, he started getting kind of obsessed with speaking to the aliens, and mm-hmm. I I hadn't uh, heard anything about that radio, but I did come across in, in my research about how he's like, you know what, I'm getting telepathically these ideas from these Aliens from beyond the galaxy, I believe he called them, that uh, they're really interested in like what I'm doing here with my junk pile. So so, um, let's talk about what happened on the night he disappeared. It was on November 29th, uh, 1980. It was about 6.30 p.m. This guy from British Columbia, Granger Taylor, he walks into this diner called Bob's Grill. It sounds like the name of any place in any small town. He'd gone there all the time, whatever. The local Greasy Spoon. Exactly. So he went in there for dinner and then he was like, all right, bye. See you later. The people that were there, um, they remembered because it was supposed to be a really big storm that night and he didn't seem to be dressed for the storm. But also the people in the town were kind of like, Granger's a little weird. So whatever. It was one of these things that really stood out until afterwards. So like you said, in the weeks leading up to this night, Granger's friends had said that he had been having a bunch of recurring dreams about communicating with aliens. And in these dreams, Granger said that, like, totally straight face, listen up, guys, this is what's on the go. Bunch of aliens are going to come and get me at a certain time. I don't know yet, but it's a certain time and place, and I'm going to go away for 42 months, and I'm going to go on a journey, and I'm going to see the universe, and I'm going to learn how these spaceships fly. So it was pretty specific in, in what these dreams were saying to him, even down to the time frame. Yeah. Was the expectation he'd come back after 42 months, like back to Duncan, or was that ever really made clear? 
it's clear but not clear. I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. Okay. So the dreams were really specific in his mind of what they were saying. And also he said, in addition to like when I'm going to sleep and I'm having these dreams, I can also communicate with them telepathically. I guess there were mostly kids that were hanging out with them were kind of like, that's really cool. Granger knows everything. Like it, They didn't see it as something that was strange or odd. It was just Granger being Granger, I guess. Now, I've heard stories about, you know, UFO encounters in the past, and, and that was a common theme where they can speak telepathically, right? I mean, that's not the first time I've heard this. Yeah, that's true. In that uh, clubhouse that basically he made, I think that he'd spend a lot of time reading those kind of like UFO magazines yeah, and things yeah, like that. To... And those would have all those kinds of ideas in there about telepathic communication yep. and all that stuff. He started to get kind of obsessed with wanting to learn how the flying saucers could be silent. Duncan became this like UFO sort of center. And a lot of people were more like intrigued and fascinated that there is intelligent life outside of Earth. But for Granger, he looked at it from a different perspective. He was not so fascinated with the fact that there was intelligent life. He was more fascinated, like, they got ships that fly around and don't make any noise? How does that work? Like, that mm -hmm. was more what his side of the interest of it was. So he becomes obsessed with flying saucers and aliens, and it, it just kind of consumes his life. So on the night, he goes into this diner, and then he walks out, and nobody ever saw him again. So here's what was going on on this particular night, November 29th, 1980. On Vancouver Island, which is where the town of Duncan is, there's not typically a lot of thunder and lightning storms. They do happen. It's sort of like Newfoundland. Sometimes they happen, but it's not, it's not like here in New Jersey where you have four or five tornado warnings in the summer. Yeah. But on this night, November 29th, it was this horrendous thunder and lightning storm. In fact, the local papers called it the storm of the century. And then they probably called like 15 other storms after that with the same yeah. name. <laughs> so it was this really terrible and unusually weird weather night. And Granger drove away from this Bob's Grill in his Pepto-Bismol pink pickup truck. Yeah, 1966 Datsun, I believe. We had a Datsun. We had a hatchback Datsun. Did we really? We did. Our dog had puppies in the back. Do you know what a Datsun is now? Uh, I'm going to get, I don't know. Is it a Hyundai? No, it's Nissan. Is it really? Yeah. Uh, my husband has a Nissan. So do I. You do too? Nissan Rogue, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm the opposite of Granger. I'd, my car is blue. That's why I know. My <laughs> husband has a, a Nissan, but it's not Pepto-Bismol pink. It's actually black. But Granger's was Pepto-Bismol pink. So he drives off in his weird pink truck. First, he stops off at his one friend, uh, Robert Teller's place. You know, the guy that was really, really close to him. And he says, by the way, guess what? This is the night. The aliens are coming. And again, Bob says, can I go? Like, I want to go with you. And again, Granger says, no, you can't go. They only want me to go. You have to stay here. He's a little bit bummed about it, but he's like, all right, well, have a good trip, I guess. I don't know what I would do if, like, my friend's like, guess what? I'm going away with the aliens tonight. I, I I might be like, why don't you sit here and hang out for a bit? Yeah. You know, I'd be a little bit afraid. Your 32-year-old friend when you were in high school. Mm -hmm. First question is, like, how can you have a 32-year-old friend? But anyway, we'll, we'll look past that. It was the 80s. Crazy time. Yeah. Call this a product of the time. But another thing apparently he asked him was like, why this night? Because he always knew that there was going to be a particular night, but he didn't know which one it was. But I guess Granger had gotten some telepathic warnings like, we're coming tonight, Granger. Apparently the aliens told him, we're going to come this night because of the thunder and lightning storm. It's going to be harder for people to notice the ship. Okay. Which kind of makes sense. 
I guess, in, in terms of alien invasion. <laughs> yeah, if you're putting the story together, why not, right? So he, there he goes. He tells Bob he's off to aliens and Thunder is going to camouflage them. He gets his truck and apparently he drives off in the mountains and just he never returns. So the next morning, Granger's family. So even though he's 32, he does live at home with his parents on the farm. Granger's family get up and they see Granger's not there and they see this that weird note that I read in the intro kind of pinned to his bedroom door. And they're like, all right, we know he's kind of weird, but maybe he's out in his flying saucer. Like they didn't know what was going on. Also, the note had alluded to, go ahead, look in my will for some further instruction. And they found that in his will, he had changed all the word death to departure. Yeah. He was really thinking that he was going away on this trip. So picture the town on the day after a really bad storm. Usually the day after a storm is really a nice day. <laughs> so It I, is, yeah. Right? I picture the town kind of walking around, looking at the damage and everything. But in the middle of all this, the police and the friends and family of Granger are looking for Granger. What? Where the hell is he, right? They find absolutely no sign of him anywhere. Not him or his weird pink truck, which would stand out like a sore thumb. Say he did drive away and it was a bad weather and he drove off and crashed in a side of the yep. road, whatever. You would see that pink, right? Yep. From far away. But um, no, they saw absolutely nothing. Uh, the only thing that they really were able to uncover was they do find a couple of witnesses that say, we heard a loud bang, and that might have been about the time when Granger was up in the mountains. Yep. I find that really bizarre because there was a massive thunderstorm and there was nothing but loud bangs. So. Yeah, yeah. But that's really all they get. They get absolutely nothing else, no clue at all. That's kind of what happens on the night he leaves, and it's an unsolved mystery. So to like sort of summarize it, He'd been saying that he was communicating with aliens and everyone was like, excellent. He drove off on a literal dark and stormy night after telling his friend, tonight's the night. He left a note saying that I'm going on an interstellar voyage. No one ever heard of him again. So what happened to Granger Taylor? He said he was going. He goes to a restaurant, tells everybody, see you later. And that's it. He's gone. Mm-hmm. One thing that's really interesting about the, uh, his disappearance is there was a, in his note, there was a 42-month time frame. Is that, is that what it was? Yes. Well, um, in his documentary, Spaceman, uh, they're interviewing his sister. And his sister's the one who inherited the farm after his parents died and all that. And on November 8th, 1983, they received a letter from a guy by the name of Robert DeMont, I think it was pronounced. Okay. Addressed to her, their mom, and it said, it's almost time for your son to return. He won't remember where he's been, but he was programmed to build an engine to fly a saucer. What? This will help you set your mind at ease. One day he'll walk in your door like he never left. Oh, my God. That's just mean. That's just someone fucking with the family, I think. Well, they did. They actually reached out to this guy. And okay. he works for the airport. Because he's in that industry, and like you said, he's aviation. He said he's seen so many, over the years, seen so many... Uh, Sightings that he couldn't explain that he was a firm believer that aliens were there and he's a firm believer that uh, a Granger was taken or he no it wasn't he it was a willing participant to go and he was going to come back yeah he was going to come back I did see something about that the forty two months that he was in space would equate to about one hundred and fifty years on Earth oh okay I don't take acid so i have no I, I can't get my head around it which by the way was also one of the things about granger and his friends apparently they were dropping acid a couple times a day 
So if that was kind of built into Granger's story, like I'll be gone for 42 months for me, but for you, it's 150 years. No one alive at the time is ever going to be able to say, oh, yeah, there's Granger coming in the door. So we're talking 1980 plus 150. It should be easy math to do. So the year 2130 is the year of his return. I mean, if you're going to build a story about space travel and time travel and everything, you may as well stick it in in such a way that nobody around will know or can, yeah. can verify it. Yeah, exactly. The interesting thing about this letter from Robert, though, is that uh, he obviously knew about the story. I guess it must have been a local legend, but is this interesting that he would take time to write his mom a note like that? Saying, oh, he's coming soon. Do you think it's one a case of one of those kinds of people that try to insert themselves into Probably, interesting yeah. stories? Yeah. Well, like you said, the way it was explained was that, you know, he is a, uh, uh, you know, he's in the, that kind of industry with the airport mm. and all that. Mm-hmm. And that uh, he's seen so many things. So he does believe it. So he's going to send a letter, like, trying to ease or ease them. Don't worry about it. He will be coming back. It's all true. I think he even says something about how one of his friends was taken before and all this kind of stuff, right? So. All right. Let's get into some of the theories here. Let's see. What people are saying, what happened to him. So the first theory that is what happened was the theory of suicide. Mm-hmm. One of his brothers thinks that Granger committed suicide. He doesn't know why he did, but there's a couple of theories as to why he did, right? People said he was obsessed that he could not figure out how space travel worked. It wasn't so much that aliens existed and they can fly these ships. How can they can do it? How do, how do these things fly? How come they don't make any noise, right? So he was obsessed with trying to figure this out. He couldn't figure it out and ate away at him until he couldn't take it no more. Again, being the eccentric genius who could figure anything out, who could find a stick of wood in the woods and turn it into a World War II plane. Right, yes. And he couldn't figure this out, so it got to the point where he couldn't take it anymore, right? Possibly, like it ate away at his mental stability. To the point he was saving urine in the jars and all that kind of <laughs> stuff, right? Get <laughs> <Yeah>, the spruce goose. <laughs> the spruce goose. <laughs> Simpsons reference. What's buddy's name? Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes, there you go, yeah. <laughs> Another thing was that uh, part of the suicide theory was that his uh, stepfather was getting up in age, and by 1980 or you know late 70s, 80s, he needed someone to help him with the farm. So they hired a Danish man, and one of his brothers actually called this guy the Dirty Dane. Uh, this guy was an alcoholic, and he was a frequent user of LSD, and it wasn't a good influence on Granger, and he began you know heavily using LSD. Okay. Uh, and that's where the people think, oh, this is where the thoughts of aliens come into his brain, started thinking about how they're talking to him. He's on a big acid trip, right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier, too, about the uh, the will, how it was replaced and how it was said that, you know, changed death to departure and all that kind of stuff. One thing that does kind of uh, allude to is that the whole thing was planned. The suicide was planned. He had a date, you know, I wrote out a thing so that he was planning mm-hmm. to, to kill himself, right? And then he disappeared, there was a huge storm. Family said they heard a large bang when you talked about it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said it was aliens picked it up. Could also have been the TAT explosion. So he had uh, a lot of TNT that they used, like to kind of blow up stumps, like putting on Manitoulin. Yeah, exactly. blasting his arms off. The Dodge dude. Yeah, so they had a bunch of TNT, and there was TNT missing from the Taylor farm. Mm-hmm. The day he disappeared, right? So, so people believe Granger went up to Mount Prevost. <laughs> we just did an edit note where she told me how to. My sister told me how to pronounce it, and I still screwed it up. But anyway, uh, he blew himself up to TNT. Uh, the vastness of the mountains in this area can make anybody disappear. Now, his friend Bob Keller does not buy the suicide theory at all. He says he was not suicidal, and he disputes that he ever took LSD. He said, yeah, there were big weed smokers, but he was against hard drugs. Oh, okay. So he actually thought that he went to space. He says that, that must be the only logical reason. He, there's no way he killed himself. To me, that sounds like someone who you lose a friend, you can't believe that it, that it happened, and yeah. you got to come up with an alternate theory, and that's what you come up with, right? Yeah. 
But he does say that, you know, this was an area of high UFO sightings. And it makes sense that if they're going to take anybody, this is the guy they take. That's kind of his thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Another theory that was that's been poked around was that he ran away. He actually grew a beard a couple months before all this happened, and he and he said before that he needed to grow a beard so he looked different if he ever wanted to kind of run away. But again, there's no real reason why. Usually, when someone runs away, is because you know they owe somebody a lot of money or they're in mm. trouble for their physical well-being for some reason. Someone wants to get them for whatever. But there's nothing like that to suggest that any of these things were prevalent in his, in his life, right? Yeah. The thought would be people thought he went to go to the aliens and he actually just started a new life somewhere else, right? But again. There's no real reason to do that. Like, why was he leaving? It's possible that he felt stagnant in the town. Yeah, I guess. Well, just get up and move, don't <laughs> I know. Why make the whole story that, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. A couple other interesting theories. These are my favorite ones. Number one is that he used the dynamite to blast him up into space. What is he? A, a cartoon? That's <laughs> right. I like that one. <laughs> and there's another theory that uh, he became a, a government agent for the U.S., and was taken to Area 51 to work on their top secret alien projects. It's an out there one. That's really out there. And also, if they did want Granger, a hauler of junk and creator of stuff, <laughs> to go work in the secret facility, they wouldn't have made it so big. <laughs> you know what I mean? They yeah, wouldn't... no, I, I, that, I, I find that one hard to believe. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I could understand why someone would think that, but the method for which he disappeared in such a fashion. That doesn't make sense. It would have been easier for him just as a grown-ass man to say, I'm moving away, you know. Why say I'm going to space and all that? Don't sell my spaceship. I'm moving away. (laughs) I forgot to mention this earlier when you were talking about all the shit he built. If Granger had ever had the opportunity to visit Harbor Grace, I bet you he could have fixed the Kyle. Yes. (laughs) That could have saved 20 years of his life. They always said he wasn't happy unless he had a project. That must have been a 20-year project for sure. Oh, for sure. The Kyle would still be on the go. It would be like the most luxurious ship on the, on the ocean today if he had got a hold of it. And if anybody doesn't know, there's a in Harbor Grace, there's this boat. And we discussed it before in our Newfoundland season anyway. The, yep. The, the Sea Word. This is a great title, by the way. It's basically this old boat that got ran ashore in Harbor Grace Harbor. So they just left it there. Now it's just rotting away. Yeah. If he could find like a rotted out fuselage in the woods and turn it into a kitty hawk and sell it for 20 grand, yeah. for sure could have fixed the Kyle. And like you said, he never really did work on a boat first and last from our thing. So this this could have really yeah. been a good calling for him. Yeah. Oh, well. Come back, Granger. Fix the Kyle. <laughs> Sorry. Um, there's one final theory that probably maybe makes the most sense, but also has a few questions in there. In March of 1986, a group of forestry workers discovered a blast crater on Mount Prevo or Mount Prevo. I told you how to pronounce it. Now I'm doing it wrong. Mount Prevost on Vancouver Island. And they're like, this doesn't look good. I think we need to tell someone. So they reported it to the officials. And the cops came out and they took a look. In the crater, they found human remains, some sort of bones and stuff. And this is about six years after Granger disappeared. Parts of an old blue truck. Important that it's blue, not pink. And Mm -hmm. part of a sweater. The coroner had determined, given this evidence and the fact that the Granger-Taylor story was well known in the area, that this was the site where Granger-Taylor was actually killed. And his method of death was explosion. So you had talked about he had some TNT, which he used for blowing up stumps and fortunately not blowing his arms off. <laughs> so apparently that's what they think happened. He, he had dynamite in his pink truck. It blew up, turned blue, and that's how he died. But there's a few gaps. On one hand, it's like that kind of makes sense, right? You're up in the 
mountains yep. and, and you see the chalk and human remains. Okay. But here's some things about this. It was reported that the RCMP had got confirmation from Granger's family that the sweater was Granger's. Now, Granger's mother said that she had never identified this sweater. Oh, okay. Also, who would remember somebody's sweater from six years ago unless, like, that's the only thing he wore, you know, like, unless it was really distinctive? Yeah, I, I thought it was something that she made for him, and that's how they could identify. If that's the case, then that would make sense. Yeah. So maybe it was that. Maybe maybe this information is misinformation. She crocheted one together. <laughs> yeah, so unless it was really distinct or, or like you said, it was homemade, she would have definitely known. And then the truck parts, they were blue, but Granger's truck was famously pink, like basically yep. the opposite of blue. Although they did say that the VIN number was Granger's. So how what how does that match up together? Did the dynamite blow the pink paint off? Do you ever see those like uh, things on the internet every now and again where you got a, a dress and sometimes it's gold, sometimes it's blue? Mm-hmm. Some people say, oh, that's white or that's black or whatever. Maybe same thing. Maybe some people say, oh, that's a pink truck. No, that's a blue truck. You know what? Maybe so. Maybe so. It's all perception, right? Blows me away with those things, though. People are so adamant it was, and it was so obviously the other thing to me. It, it just it blows my mind. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all perception. And then, you know, they found these human remains, right? Yep. I think it was bones, but they never even tested him to find if they were even male or female. The coroner was just like, oh, bones, crater, that's Granger, the end. Now, it was 1986, so DNA testing was not really a thing. Those semen samples for Grissom to run through the lab. <laughs> that's right. There wasn't any super hot CSI people up poking yeah. around. <laughs> that's right. But, uh, you know, normally they would store evidence it remains right but apparently these bones are lost and the rcmp don't know where they are it's just like i don't know that's a while ago don't hassle me so it's kind of weird that like maybe it is granger like this seems like a pretty good theory about like what realistically could have happened and if it is then it would be kind of nice right if they tested it to find out definitively that it's him or that it's not and a different missing person Bones are found. Yes, someone else is dead out in the woods. Right? Because we had talked before in our British Columbia episode how British Columbia across Canada has, like, way more missing people than any other province. Yep. Double the next highest one kind of thing. So, I don't know. I guess if you go in the woods of British Columbia, you find spaceships, locomotives, airplanes, bones, old trucks, satellite (laughs) dishes. Like, you're just going to find everything out there. Yeah, nature junkyard. (laughs) right so what theory do you think is the proper one i don't think he went away in an alien spaceship no i don't believe that one i don't think he was recruited i'm going to sherlock holmes it here now i don't think he was recruited to be a men in black kind of a guy i would say that the most likely case is he had either through drugs or through other sort of means became dissatisfied and Mm -hmm. either by his choice or by accident was killed on that night. Yeah. That's what I think happened. Yeah. There's a couple of theories. Like one was like, he actually thought he was going to make this space voyage. And when it didn't happen, he started to take his own life. That could be it too. He could yeah. have been so believing that this was going to happen. And then when he realized that they weren't coming, maybe yeah. he did, you know, cause that's a really bizarre method of suicide. If that was the case. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that they haven't found it. Like I said, they found some random thing, but it does, there's a lot of holes to make you think that's actually, what it was in, in the, the blast of 1986. But the other yeah. side is too, they said that these forests are, are so vast that, I mean, people, that can happen, no one will ever find it because there's just so much of it out there, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. 
But to me, like I said, I, I think the most plausible one was that he decided to end his own life. Yeah, so I would say through his own hand, whether on purpose or not, he lost his life on the mountain in BC. That's what I think happened. Yeah, I think so too. If any of the listeners out there have your own theory about what may have happened to Granger, let us know. Our email is somewhereweirdpodcast at gmail.com. Or on the Twitter at somewhereweirdpod. Or our website, somewhereweirdpodcast.com. If you like the show, please share, like, review, all those things. It helps us grow. It feeds our egos. And be sure to subscribe to your favorite podcatcher of your choice, and you'll never miss an episode. That's right. Our next episode will be in the world's second coldest country. Canada is the number one coldest country on Earth. But we'll go to the second coldest country, which is Russia. And we're going to see what was on the go during a 1959 hiking expedition in the Dyatlov Pass mystery. Definitely some Cold War shit going on there. Yeah, it's good to be back. We've been off. How long was our, when was our last episode out? Last episode came out on August 16th. This episode drops October 11th, my husband's birthday. Happy birthday. When you hear this, tell me you heard it, because then I know you actually listened. Happy Ooh. birthday. <laughs> wow, that's a loaded thing there. Hopefully, uh, blank <laughs> picks up on that and, and listens. So it'll yeah. be, it's a good test. But it's been almost two months since we yeah. dropped a new episode, so I hope everybody enjoyed it. Yeah, I hope you do. And like I said, please let us know if you did. And like you said, do all the likes and all that stuff I said before. There's only one more thing to say. Granger Taylor's disappearance was some weird by. Some weird. Do you ever hear this, the phenomenon of, of woods porn? <laughs>